All right, getting to the message here. Um, we started a, um, a series last week called Courageous. And um, we are called to be a courageous people. When you choose to follow Jesus, <clears throat> I don't know if you figured this out yet, but you have not chosen the path of least resistance when you follow Jesus. Now, <clears throat> there is hope and there is peace and there is joy in following Jesus. It is the best way. There is a, like the payout is amazing, right? I think sometimes, like, it is the best way to live, period. Like, I would not want my life any other way than walking with Jesus. But when we choose to follow Jesus in this world, it is like swimming upstream. There is opposition. And you need to expect that. And many times when you make, it's, it's when you make that decision to follow God is sometimes when all hell breaks loose. Sometimes I think you need to, when you, when you do something, you finally make that decision for God, or I'm going to do that thing, you, you need to be anticipating and praying ahead of time, knowing that opposition is going to come your way because you're going against the grain of this world. So that's why I want, that's why we're doing this series. And we put this definition up last week, but courage is the ability to face danger difficulty, uncertainty, or pain without being overcome by fear or deflected from a chosen course of action. That, that is courage. By definition, you can't be courageous unless there's something opposing you. If life's easy, <laughs> right? If life's easy, everything's great, you, there's, you can't be courageous until there's something opposing you, and that is courage, walking through fear with tenacity and, and staying with your chosen course of action. Danger, difficulty, uncertainty, or pain, these are inevitabilities in our lives. So it takes courage to live for God. Um, I'll do a quick review from last week. If you missed last week's message, I did a, a message called Risk Management. And we talked about taking risks, uh, risks for God. And um, I said this last week, but John, John Wimber, who's the leader of the Vineyard Movement, amazing uh, movement that happened here in, in the United States, um, he used to say, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Many times, stepping out in faith uh, and doing something for God looks like taking a risk, okay? I'll give you, an, I, I thought of this story um, last night, but I'll give you an example of a, a risk that I took one time. We, my wife and I used to do these, um, when we were young adults pastors, we used to do these missions trip, in-country missions trip, and they're basically like road trips, but with like an evangelism, like we didn't, we didn't have like a, a full like plan. We were just like, we're gonna go to these places, do these things, and we're going to just find people that we feel like God's highlighting and minister to them. So we went to, um, on this particular trip, um, we went to Las Vegas, and then we went also into L.A. And um, so every day we get together and we pray, and we're like, God, show us the people that you want us to talk to. Give us some clues. You know, and you can randomly, of course, approach anyone and talk to them about faith or whatever. But it'd be awesome if you could kind of show us some clues of people that you're leading us to talk to. So that's what we do. And in, in, in fact, if you ever want to try that, hook up with Evan. He's going to be doing these every month. But we write like basically clues down to lead us to the people that God wants to, is highlighting. And so as we're praying, I saw a, I just had this picture in my mind and I didn't think I was making up of a, of a gnome, like, like a garden gnome. I'm like that is random right there. Actually, when we, when we do this, we have like five categories. There's like name, appearance, you know, and you try to put something in the categories. And then one of the categories is unusual. That was unusual. I just saw a gnome. So I wrote under unusual. So I'm walking down the Las Vegas Strip and kind of looking for people I feel like God's highlighting. And I see this um, person in a Smurf costume. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's close enough. Smurf, gnome. 
kind of the same, you know, close enough, let's go for it. So um, this, this person, actually was a, a gal who's actually, um, I don't know who pays these people to walk around Las Vegas and do this, but she was getting off of her shift and going to her car, and I said, hey, um, you know, this might seem kind of strange, which, by the way, it is strange. If someone approaches you and say, hey, this is, can, is there anything we can pray for you for? Um, and so I explained to her, um, we're just out here praying for people we feel like God's highlighting. I said, I, I prayed earlier. I felt like God showed me this numb, smurf. You know, that's all weird to explain. Some people will tell you get lost. That's totally fine. It happens. But other times people are so hungry and desperate for a touch from God. They, like, are welcoming you. And so I said, is there, any, is there anything we can pray for you for? I didn't, like, have a huge agenda. It's just, is there anything we can pray for you for? Let's say he said, actually, there is. I am terrified of dying from cancer. I've had family members, my mom, my aunts, are, are dying from cancer. I'm terrified of dying from cancer. I could tell she just had this anxiety. And so I prayed. I, um, and actually, that was another thing on my list. I'd written down, I wrote down cancer. It was one thing on my list that I felt like God showed me. And I was able to pray for her in that moment. She was like, you know, like, you could see the, the, the Lord ministering her, the relief that she felt that God actually highlighted her, sees that need, and wants to minister to that need. I don't know how that uh, situation came out, but that is just an example of Sometimes people tell you get lost when you, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, I want to tell you about faith. Sometimes they'll tell you get lost. Big deal, right? Other times, I don't think we realize how many times people are just desperate for a touch from God. And they're looking for you to step out. So it looks like risk many times. So be sensitive to the Lord. My main point last week, I'll just touch on this real quick, was um, oftentimes when we take a big risk for God, it can feel like not having the peace of God. Because when you're way outside of your comfort zone, that feels like not having peace. So we talked about the difference between those two <clears throat> last week. So if you didn't hear that message, go back and listen to risk management <clears throat> on our website. Um, this week, I want to talk about um, how uh, to become a courageous people. And next week, I want to talk about how to give courage. So you can't give what you don't have. So first, we have to become courageous before we can give courage, right? But you can give and impart courage. I, I um, read this verse last week, but I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation this week. John 16, it says this, Jesus speaking, And everything I've taught you is so that, you, so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience troubles and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Notice the contrast between the first part and the second part of this, this verse. In, I want you to have, God says, I want you to have peace. I want you to have confidence. I want you to have rest. But that's hard many times when you've got problems. How many people got problems? I got, I got problems. Okay, there's problems in my life. Okay, how do we have the peace, courage, and, and rest in God um, I'm sorry, how do we have peace, confidence, rest in God when we have problems, when things are going on in the world, when craziness happens? One of the ways is by walking in courage, okay? Um, now, I apologize for doing this so early in the message, but I'm about to go Greek on you. Look, look at your neighbor and say, he's about to go Greek on you, okay? Go ahead, you can repeat, so you can repeat. Okay, in John 16, the word courageous here. Um, go ahead and put that definition up. Other translations say, take heart, be brave, cheer up, courageous. It means bolstered from within or propped up from within, which supports unflinching courage, literally to radiate warm confidence, to exude social boldness, to warm, um, because warm-hearted, okay? Okay, so literally, um, the title of my message today is called Radiate, or Radiant, sorry, Radiant is the title of my message today. But there is the courage that Jesus is talking about 
it's to be bolstered from within. There's a confidence and a courage that comes from within that God wants us to have, okay? And so we want to talk about how do we radiate courage? How do we radiate this courage to the world around us? We're City Lights Church. We want to radiate the glory of God. We want to radiate hope. We want to radiate peace from this place. That comes from, we're bolstered from within, okay? Um, go ahead and put up that picture. This is... Um, a picture in our city. I love this picture, and we, I think we shared it on our Instagram before we launched the church. This is in our city. Um, it just says courage. And I love the picture, this little girl like looking out. Man, I want City Life Church to be a place where people come and they receive their imparted courage, and they go out and they do courageous things in the world. Amen? But have you ever been around those people? They just radiate faith. They radiate hope. They radiate courage. It's like you just want to like get a little closer to those people, you know? And, but you can't give what you don't have. So um, before you can give courage, you have to um, receive courage, okay? Before you can um, give peace, you have to receive peace. Before you can give faith, you have to receive faith. Jesus said in uh, John chapter uh, 14, uh, verse 27, Jesus said, peace I leave you, my peace, okay? Jesus doesn't give you anxiety because he doesn't have any. Jesus doesn't give you anxiety because he doesn't have it to give. And if he did have it, he wouldn't give it to you, okay? Jesus doesn't give you fear because he doesn't have any, okay? We talked about, you know, right before Hannah came up and gave that word about someone um, understanding that God is good, she said the exact same thing. I feel like there's people here struggling. They're seeing these words, but they don't believe it in their heart. And I was, she's like, is there a scripture that drives that home? And I'm like, yeah, John 10, 10. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give life and life abundantly. And then Hannah came up and did the, we didn't even talk. She did the exact same thing that I was thinking. Okay? Jesus can't give you what he doesn't have. He can't give you anxiety. He can't give you fear. The devil can't give you peace because the devil only has fear. The devil can't give you peace. He only has fear. Um, Isaiah 48, 22 says, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. How many of the devil's wicked, right? <laughs> There's no peace says the Lord for the wicked. The devil doesn't have peace. The devil doesn't have joy. And the devil doesn't, I would say this, he doesn't have courage. He does have fury and he does have rage because he knows his time is short, but it's not courage. It's fury, it's rage, okay? You can't give what you don't have. Even the apostles, I mentioned this last week, the apostle Peter and, and John, when they walked into the gate called Beautiful, there was a person begging there for um, some money, the cripple, and they just said to him, hey, actually, we don't have money. Silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth walk. Be, stand up. Amen? So how do, we become a, how do we become courageous? I'll give you three things today. Um, number one, this seems cliche as heck, but it's so paramount to the Christian life. Keep your focus on Jesus. How do we become courageous? Keep your focus on Jesus. This is not... This, is, this seems cliche, but it's so paramount, so important to the Christian life. You're not going to find solutions like looking at the problem. You're not going to find hope looking at the problem. You're not going to find courage if you're just looking at the problem constantly. Okay? <clears throat> All right, remember we talked about hope as something that like, uh, I'm sorry, not hope, courage as something that radiates from us. Um, Psalms chapter 34 verse 5, it says this, those who look to him, keep, those who keep their focus on God, Keep their focus on Jesus. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. They keep their focus on him. They're radiating. We want to radiate this courage that God wants in our heart. I'll illustrate this again. You guys, um, Peter in the Bible, the story where he 
um, where Jesus calls him to walk out on the water. I want to illustrate this through his life, keeping his eyes on Jesus. Matthew 14, 22 through 27. Uh, Jesus had just got done ministering. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. The disciples saw him uh, walking on the lake, and they were terrified. I'd be terrified too. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Okay, I want to I wanna pause here real quick. We'll keep reading the story. I don't think Jesus was looking at them and like, hey guys, suck it up. I don't think it was like, hey guys, suck it up. I think what he was saying is, literally, take courage. Like he was giving something, he was giving an impartation of courage to them. Hey, take courage. It's like after Jesus' um, crucifixion and resurrection, the disciples hadn't seen him yet. And the disciples are all hanging out in a house. They're locked in. They're afraid afraid of the Jews that they're going to kill him. Jesus walks through the wall or appears. It doesn't really say how he got in there. And Jesus said, "Um, peace be with you. He wasn't just saying, hey, like, hey, just chill out. He was saying, like, here is an impartation of peace. If you carry peace, you can give peace. If you carry courage, you can actually impart courage. Have you ever walked through a crisis and someone walks in and they have peace on them or they have courage on them? Have you ever been in a hospital and it's a crisis and someone walks in and they have peace? Have you ever been in a courtroom and someone comes, a friend, and brings peace, a situation that you're walking through and has peace. This is a, <clears throat> a story in our lives. We had, we had just received, I think Emily shared this before, we had just received a really bad diagnosis that our oldest daughter, Trinity, is autistic. That was a bad day. Like, that was a really hard day for both of us. And my wife actually had a divine appointment. I think it was at Target? Walmart. She was at Walmart that day, really upset, and ran into Pastor John Stocker, who's not here this morning, and he said, this is a divine appointment. He said, Because she told him what was going on. He said, this is a divine appointment. He was able to pray for her and give courage to her right there in that moment. But listen, if you carry courage, you can impart courage. If you carry peace, you can impart peace, okay? Um, <clears throat> okay, go ahead and put up that picture I have in here. Because we're going to keep reading this. This is my wife and I. This is the Sea of Galilee. And... and uh, if you've never been to Israel, you should go sometime. It's really awesome. Um, but notice our shoes are off. Now, why are our shoes off? Now, yes, I did want to put my feet in the water. But listen, this is where Jesus walked on water and Peter. I'm like, I got to at least try. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I got to at least see if I can do it, you know? Like, seriously, come on. <laughs> I got to at least try. So um, just to give you some context of what it looks like there. So let's read on. Here's the, this is where literally this happened. Matthew 14, 28 through 33. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied. So Jesus walks on water. Take courage at his eye. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. First of all, Jesus come up. They're terrified. Jesus says, um, he says, take courage. And then all of a sudden, Peter's like, hey, call me out on the water. That is a huge contrast. First, he's afraid. Now he's like, can I go out there too? Like, there was an impartation of courage that Jesus gave them when they come up to them. And Peter was the only one that tried. Come, he said. Jesus said, come out on the water. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, 
uh, and came toward Jesus. Verse 30, watch this. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid uh, and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Jesus said, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. What happened? Peter gets out of the boat. He has courage. He has faith. And the Bible says that he started to notice the wind and the waves. What did he do? He got his eyes off of Jesus. When he kept his eyes on Jesus, he could walk on water. When he got got his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. It is the same way. The wind and the waves and the circumstances in our lives. When we get our eyes off of Jesus and get our eyes on those circumstances, that's when we begin to doubt. From, from Jesus' perspective, he says you doubted. From Peter's perspective, he's, he noticed the wind and the waves. Okay, so to take your eyes off of Jesus is to, is to doubt. If you want to be a person of great faith, keep your eye on the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm going to read that verse right now. Amen? Thank you. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it says this. <clears throat> Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Watch this, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Right? Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We need to fix our eyes on him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition for sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Or in other words, so that you will keep courage. Keep your focus and your eyes on Jesus, and you won't lose heart. You won't lose focus. Amen? I had to look up this word. I'm going to go Greek on you again. <clears throat> but the word where it says fixed, um, fixing your eyes on Jesus, um, it's the word, other translations say, you know, look at Jesus, um, gaze upon Jesus, fix your eyes upon Jesus. It literally means look away from all else to fix one's gaze upon it's, a, it's actually a, a made of two Greek words. One of them says, look away. One of them means look away, and the other means look upon. It doesn't just say, look at Jesus. Like, that's not the Greek word here. The Greek word is, stop looking at everything else and only look at Jesus. That is powerful, you guys. <clears throat> now, some of us maybe lack courage from time to time because we're looking at Jesus, but maybe we're just looking like once a week, right? Like Sunday morning. <clears throat> I just want to say you can look at him every day. You can gaze upon him every day. You can focus on Jesus every day. Amen? And if you want to have a great faith, have great focus. Because faith, listen, faith isn't something we produce of ourselves. I don't know if you know that. You can't conjure up faith. But God, God can, it is um, by grace, through faith, and it's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. Faith is a gift as well. But when we focus on Jesus, the author and finisher, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, we can grow in it. Amen? Okay, so point number one, keep your focus on Jesus. It's not a Christian cliche. It's the way to live. Amen? It's the only way to live. The only way to live victoriously. All right. Uh, Point number two, these next two points will be a little shorter. How do we become courageous? Point number two is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you two angles on this. This is not going to be a fully inclusive message on being filled with the Holy Spirit, but I, I want to touch on this real quick, and I want to really focus on this a little bit more in the future. But when you receive Jesus, you do receive the Holy Spirit. That is true in your heart. God comes and takes up residence in your heart. But the Bible also talks about something called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Typically, this is through believers laying on hands of you. And, and imparting the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This happened to me at the age of seven. Actually, no one laid hands on me, I, but I received it at home in my kitchen at the age of seven. 
And I just want to say, um, if you've never, I'll do more teaching on this in the future because the Bible's has, uh, lots of teaching on this. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, after service, we have our wonderful prayer counselors up here. We'd love to pray with you and believe for that to happen to you today. And actually during worship, um, Brie came up to me and she's like, hey, I feel like maybe we should do a call for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, interesting that you say that because right after the service, I, I'm going to mention in my message, if people haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they need to come up and get prayer. Okay, but um, even if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul says something in Ephesians 5.18 that I want to touch on. He says this, uh, Ephesians 5.18, Get drunk not on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, he's talking to believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit. They've had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in other places in the book of Acts, it talks about the apostles, and it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, they were already filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, this, this word here doesn't mean like a one-time filling. This means, uh, it's like be being filled. Okay, in, in other words, continuously ongoing fillings and refreshings. Okay, so even if you are saved, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we need to receive ongoing and filling and refreshings. That's why we worship here. Like, that's important. It's important to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, continually refreshed in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Why? The Holy Spirit will make you bold. The Holy Spirit will make you a bold person, a courageous person. The Holy Spirit will make you more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is your comforter, your counselor, right? Your, your, your guider. Amen? So we need to be continually filled with him. Um, if he, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18, um, it's actually verse, I, um, this actually starts verse 17 and 18. I put it up there wrong. But 2 Corinthians 3.17 through 18, this is an example of and a picture of worship here. It says this, for the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Verse 18, so all of us who have had the veil removed so there was a veil before we came to Jesus. When we came to Jesus, the veil was removed. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. In other words, we can radiate, right, courage. We can radiate the presence of God because we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That's a picture that can happen, obviously, not just in worship, but that's a huge part of what happens during worship. We see and reflect we see and radiate the glory of the Lord. This is why coming to church and being around other believers is so important. Before you go back out into the world, we're going to see and we're going to reflect. Amen? We're going to radiate. So, be, um, so our focus is important and be continually filled is, is super important. Look at the very next verse. It's the next, <clears throat> excuse me. It's the very next chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but it's, it's actually the next verse. So in the original text, there wasn't like chapters and verses. You guys know that? Okay. So... The very next verse after this, 2 Corinthians 4, 1. Therefore, since, we, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Okay, so there's a, there's a, there's a connection here between um, seeing God with, with the veil removed, worshiping God, experiencing the Lord um, in spirit, who, where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. There's a direct connection to that and not losing heart and being courageous in our life. Amen. So we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and continually filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, many times, I could give you lots of examples of this. Right before someone did something hugely courageous, it says the Holy Spirit came upon them. Like they were, they were given a power, they were given anointing for a, for a task. The Holy Spirit came upon people and gave them courage. It's the same with us. We need the Holy Spirit for courage. Okay, point number uh, three. How do we become courageous? 
do courageous things. <laughs> this, one's, this one's pretty low-hanging. <laughs> do things that scare you. Okay, listen. By definition, you can't walk in courage until you're doing something that scares you. Okay? Do scary things. Um, you never actually know when you'll need courage. Like, you never actually know when there's a, a crisis or, or someone else in your life needs courage, right? And so, but guess what? You can practice being courageous in artificial situations, okay? You can put yourself in situations where you need courage, and then when you get into a situation where you actually need courage, you have it, because <laughs> you've walked in it before, amen? I'll give you an example of this. With my kids, I, my kids have basically everything they need. They're not, I don't think they're spoiled. Sometimes they are. But they grow up in America. They kind of have everything they need. So we want them to learn, you know, what it means to work hard. We want them to learn tenacity and grit and all those kind of things. So um, they don't have many um, trials in their life. So we create artificial trials for them, right? <laughs> artificial persecution, artificial <laughs> tribulation for their growth, okay? Here's an example. You know, both my daughters have hiked five 14,000-foot peaks, and we don't let them quit. Like, we, we make them do, you know, we took them on easier ones and made them work up. But Trinity used to be um, terrified of mountains. Like, we'd go on hike. She wouldn't, she wouldn't hike at all. It's been a long road just to get her to hike. She didn't want, no, go up there, no, go up there, you know. And um, finally, we got her hiking, and then we're like, we got her up a 14er, and now she's, like, running up them. Like, wait for me, you know. So there's an artificial, I, I don't know, think of artificial ways to subject your kids to trials and persecution so that they can grow in it, amen? Listen, why? Because those are small victories, which will lead to big victories later in life. Before David killed Goliath, he had some smaller victories, didn't he? He killed a lion, he killed a bear, right? And I think many times God lets us go through smaller trials so that we can have smaller victories, right? So that we can actually become giant killers. David didn't show up to fight Goliath as a giant killer. He was already a giant killer. He became a giant killer when he killed a lion and when he killed a bear before that. And then the day came that he killed a giant. Amen? Same thing with you and I. How many want to be giant killers? Come on. I want to slay some giants in my life. Go after the small victories. Let God do small victories in your life. I want to encourage, this is my encouragement. Do something courageous this year. Do something that scares you this year. And I want to hear testimonies of this. Like, um, go on that missions trip. Go on that, your first mission trip. Um, take that first step in starting a business. Um, sign up for that college class. Um, pray for a stranger on the street. Um, go bungee jumping. Do a Spartan race, a Tough Mudder. Go whitewater rafting. Hike a 14er. Like, like I want to hear stories of people doing things courageous. And then when you get into situations where you actually need courage, you've practiced courage. Amen? So good. If we overcome adversary in artificial settings, you'll be more prepared for them when you actually need it. All right, let's go ahead and put up those three points, and we'll pray. How do you become courageous? Keep your focus on Jesus. Super important. Number two, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Never stop experiencing and allowing Him to fill you. Number three, do some scary things. Do some courageous things. Why don't you guys stand on your feet and I'm going to pray for you. When I was preparing this message, I, um, I felt like um, 
this is kind of an obscure way to like walk in courage, but um, I feel like maybe there's some people that were falsely accused of some things um, that are here. And maybe you lost a job or lost a relationship or something like that, but you were falsely accused. And if you know you're falsely accused, and you know you didn't do that thing, you know you're not guilty of that thing, and I want to pray that God would impart courage over you and you could hold your head up high, even around those people who are accusing you and have come against you. Amen? So, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for every person here. God, we, I thank you that you want us and have called us to be a courageous people, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that we would walk in courage, Lord. I pray every person here would find themselves walking and doing courageous things, doing things that scare us, Lord God. And uh, if there's anyone here who was falsely accused and either lost a job or um, lost a relationship or something, God, I pray that they would be vindicated. They would hold their head up high because they know in you, Lord God, they didn't do anything wrong. So I just bless them and I impart courage. Let them radiate that warm confidence from within, Lord, that tenacity, that boldness, I pray, Lord, that would come from you. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said,